Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Well, oh my gosh, by golly, we're hoping you know everything to grow because I certainly don't. Happy Sunday morning, beautiful day out there. We're live here from the hills of Sunny Slope where the chuckle walls are already out climbing, you know, getting a little sun this morning. Uh, beautiful day out there, folks, and, uh, you know, a great time to be here in the lower desert. It's going to get a little warm this afternoon, but who knows? Perhaps we'll get a breeze. Nothing like a breeze on a 100-degree day. Anyway, happy Sunday. Um, this is a listener participation type program here with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. You can give Shira a call. She's here on the phones and the music. The number to call is 602-277-5827, 277-KTR. We can talk about the landscape of your dreams, your nightmares, or if you're growing something different at home, if you have a different style, if you have ideas on saving more water, we can talk about using water, our quality of water, and uh, why we do what we do. And uh, we're fortunate to be here in a place it's been farmed for thousands of years because there is water and how we manage is kind of everything. So whatever your dreams, your ideas, your thoughts, your philosophies, give us a call. 602-277-5827. When we get to the end of the show, it's a little tougher to get in right now. We've got a couple lines available. Take our first caller this morning, Nancy in Morristown. Good morning, Nance. Good morning. Good to talk to you. Thanks for being our first caller. <laughs> um, I, well, I have a lot of questions, but I'll start. <laughs> oh, um, you snuck in early, so you could get all the questions. I got gotcha. you. You got it. You got it. Um, well, I have. I had irrigation put in like ten years ago. I never had irrigation. Didn't know about it. And they put it just one line with all everything on it and different things. So I've just shut it off and kind of water occasionally but bougainvilleas they don't need much water right they're very little when they're mature you know established bougainvillea um doesn't require much water at all okay so i should take that one off but yellow bells and orange jubilees how about those they're going to want a little bit more but you know once again they're very drought tolerant varieties and species okay all right, that's just sounds good. Um, Desert willow, the same thing, right? Not much well, water. Well, it's, it's going to want a deep irrigation. If you want it to be a large tree, it's going to want a deep irrigation periodically. Um, okay. You know, right. so, and how old are most of your plants, Nancy? Um, probably a couple of years old. Okay, so if they're fairly new, you'd probably still want to water, you know, if you want them to grow fast weekly in the summertime. Right. Okay. Okay. And, so, uh, if, and if it's okay. weekly and if it's really hot, you know, like if it's 118 or something, you might even go a little more often than that to keep the plants a little happier. But, but weekly it's should okay suffice. it's okay for all summer. of them. It's fine for all of them. And what you could do, I mean, ideally you would have different times, you know, cycles. But right. if you'll just adjust the emitters so that the trees, like the desert willow, has several emitters and the bougainvillea oh. very few, I think you'd be fine. Just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I have a bougainvillea in the back and one in the front and the one in the back seems to do beautiful but now again all of a sudden they're full of flowers and then they look like they're dying and the one in the front really does and that's done them over and over and well, i can't how, understand how why often have you been watering nancy how often have you been watering them um not often at all 
Okay, so they're going to stay prettier. You know, if, if you want your plants to be really pretty and, and happy for the summer, okay, mm-hmm. you need to water a minimum of once every two weeks. But I would water weekly, okay? And I would just okay. increase the size heads that you have on the tree so they get proportionally a lot more water. I mean, even a desert willow is going to want some water, you know? So it, deep watering uh, weekly would be fine. You could do it every two weeks for now. But once it's over 110, then that's the time they're going to really require water water and especially until any kind of monsoon season starts so the second half of the month of june the first half of july are when our plants heat up the most and have the most problems here nancy i'm gonna let you go with thanks for the call bye-bye okay thank you bye-bye uh glenn and maryville good morning glenn good morning uh hey i got a question on a bottle tree uh i had one that died out a few weeks ago i cut it down the leaves turned brown the next one that's uh looking a little strange it's got splits starting to come up into it like in the bark uh-huh. is that normal for those trees or well yes or no? bottle trees as they get older and more mature the bark will lose that green you know and go to more of a gray color and having a few cracks and splits down in the lower portion it, it's kind of like guys that lift weights and grow fast you know you get some little stretch marks and the bark will crack and, and some vertical slits and it's pretty normal um bottle trees are, are one that uh are these older trees, Glenn, or new ones? They're old. They're probably about forty some years old. Okay, so bottle trees are super drought tolerant. They don't they don't require much water at all. You water them once a month in the summer and they'll be happy with a good deep irrigation. Yeah. And you know, they're messy this time of year. But as they age, the trunks turn gray, they get cracks, that's all fine. Okay. Good deal. All right. Thank you, sir. God Thanks, bless Glenn. you. You too. Bye bye. Uh let's see. Looks like Lawn and Tempe. Good morning. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Yeah, great show every Sunday. I uh, really enjoy it. I got a question. I've got a saguaro cactus I planted in about 1992, and it's 18, 19 feet tall, beautiful, with three gorgeous arms. I noticed the birds dug a hole in the side of it that's about five inches deep and about three inches in diameter. Do I plug that up or let that go? I haven't seen the birds at all. Well, if if they're gone, I mean, typically what will happen is they'll go in, they'll make a hole, and then they'll start cleaning it out. They'll throw a bunch of black material that's coming out of the inside, and it will become basically their hotel. Um, If they abandon it already, though, you just want to make sure it's not oozing like a black substance on it. Uh, That would be a bad sign. But as long as it looks dry and hard, it's fine, and you don't have to fill it back up. So there's no disease that will occur then from it? Well, what happens is, you know, you can get like a bacterial infection in cactus, okay? And the and the birds, when they're making their nest in there, they see to it that that doesn't happen because they go through and they keep it cleaned out. And it'll basically scab over on the inside and makes a really nice little hotel for them. Um, is there any limit on how tall this cactus is going to grow? I mean, I'm just amazed. No. <laughs> you know, it's going to grow. It's going to grow a lot faster if it gets water, though. So even yeah, if you're not yeah. watering it directly, if you have plants in the area on a drip system or something, it's going to grow a lot faster. But you know, there's some big saguaros out here in the desert. Yeah. Well, Brian, you got a great show. Thanks so much. Well, thanks for calling. Be a part of it. Have a nice weekend. All right. Bye. Uh, Ann in Arcadia. Good morning, Ann. Good morning. Can you hear me? Very clearly. How are you, Ann? Perfect. Excellent. Thank you for taking my call. So I have on the east side of the house in a large shaded flower bed, I planted a white orchid tree 
But now that I'm putting a chicken run in there, I want to dig it up and put it in a nursery box until it's a good time to plant it in the ground next winter or whenever. But my question is, is it already too late to pull that thing up? Well, no, orchids actually transplant better while it's a little warm. So it's fine. Oh, good. And you say it's, it's a little anacostia orchid with the real small white flowers? Yeah, it's got the real small white flowers. Okay. It's uh, almost eight feet tall. It's two trunks, and one is about three inches, and the other is about two inches. And it's under my eaves, so it's maybe reaching eight feet. Okay, so that's going to be quite a project to transplant. How long has it been there, Ann? Oh, probably a good eight years. Okay. So, yes, I know I've got to take a sawzall and get down on the edges and then try to get under it to find the taproot. Well, it's it's gonna it's not really going to have a taproot. It's going to have kind of a spreading root system. But you'd want to cut okay. the, you'd want to cut the plant back uh, probably by seventy percent and just reduce its size tremendously. And then, okay. if you have a trunk that large, you're going to want to try and get a root ball out of there about two foot by two foot. So that's going to be kind of hard to do. Um, okay. But if you can, what you do is you trench around it and then cut underneath and then get like a, you know, pretty much like a canvas tarp, roll it over on one side, pull the tarp back under, roll it on the other side, and then you'll have four handles to pull it out of the ground with. And uh, ah, that excellent. way you can lift it out. Now, it's going to take a, you know, probably a 24 or 30, probably at least a 30-inch box for one that size. How it would be dug commercially was they would they would just dig around the the tree with the and then put the box sides in and leave the box in the ground and then come back and tip it over later on after it reroots and if you've got time and the you know and the energy that would be the best way to transplant it and if you don't have a banding machine at home what you can do is you can take and uh, just use some steel wire and twist it tight so it'll pull itself tight around the box but uh, so if you went and bought a nursery box and dug around it and put it in you know you could do it that way Oh, excellent. Fabulous. Okay. That sounds great, Brian. I really appreciate it. Okay. Don't forget the Super Thrive. It works. Okay. All right. Will do. Take Thank care. You. Bye bye. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a short break while we're gone. We do have Ann's line available. The number to call 602 277 5827. 602 277 TTAR for the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We're here every Sunday from 7 to 9 a.m. on 92.3 FM KTAR. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You'll never know, dear, how much I love you. Please don't take my sunshine away. The other night, dear. I 
welcome back, folks. And, you know, it looks like it's that time of year. We're going to have plenty of sunshine. <laughs> the lines are full, so we'll get right to the phones. Uh, as one's available, you can give Shira a call at 602-277-5827. Mark and Chandler, good morning, Mark. Good morning. Speaking of that time of year, um, a solution only costs about 2 or $3 a month for mosquito abatement. I know a lot of companies do it, but I don't know if your listeners know that it can be very easily done inexpensively uh, self. You use a, um, you mentioned Telstar by mm-hmm. Centrin for a lot of pest control. Uh-huh. You can also put that, matter of fact, this is on label, uh, put that in a pump sprayer or a hose end sprayer, and um, it's pet safe. After it dries in 30 minutes, it's children safe. There's a slightly stronger product. Oh, it's vegetation safe also, but you don't want to use it on anything that you're going to eat. But um, you can use it on plants. Uh, The other one is permethrin. It's slightly stronger, not quite as gentle. But to give you an idea, that one's so safe that you can actually spray it and wash your dog. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's it's what they use for ticks, but I, you know, kind of a little rough exactly. on the dogs, too, but that everything's been around forever. And, you know, it's kind of fun. It's made from marigolds. Mark, thanks for the but pointer. It, and, you know, and, and getting rid of the mosquitoes early. One thing about mosquitoes is they, they don't, they die well. It just, they reproduce fast. Appreciate and, the uh, call, Mark. <laughs> Bye-bye. Uh, Shad and Tempe. Good morning, Shad. Hey, Brian. How are you this morning? Wonderful, sir. And you? I'm great. It's a beautiful day. (laughs) All right. I'm sitting on my back porch. I've got some Cape honeysuckle. They've been in the ground for about four or five years. Um, I trimmed them back pretty hard late February, early March, and uh, they haven't bloomed yet again. And I'm missing my hummingbirds. Is what can I do to get the blooms to come back a little quicker? Uh, not a whole lot. You could fertilize them right now. If you wanted to fertilize them fast and get them to jump quick, I would use a water soluble like Miracle Grow or twenty twenty twenty, and that'll get them to push. But what happens is they typically are kind of more towards the end of the bloom cycle. Now they bloom when it's right around a hundred, and I'm a little fearful it's going to hit a hundred and ten before they get much of a chance. Um, you know, it's just by the amount that you cut them back and then we had such a cool spring so they're coming back slower than normal so go ahead and hit it with some foliar fertilizer and that that's doing pretty much all you can okay okay all right thank you thank you shad bye-bye uh let's see next up we've got mark and scottsdale good morning mark hi good morning brian love your show thanks for being part of it gallon oh i wouldn't miss it got a 15 gallon Desert Museum, Palo Verde, planted about three, four weeks ago, doing fine. Do desert do, do desert trees need to be wrapped? Uh, well, I know you always recommend wrapping for uh, the other trees. Starting with a young tree like a desert museum, probably not. Does it have kind of a lower branch form? So is it, it does. Okay. So if it's growing kind of a low branch or, you know, a, a kind of more of a natural form, let's just call it, uh, it will, it'll protect itself. Okay, and, and and they're pretty good, and they're going to grow so fast to put out foliage so quick that I wouldn't be concerned with wrapping it. Perfect. Thanks. Take Thank, care. Thanks, Mark. Bye-bye. Uh, Marty and Mesa. Good morning, Marty. Good morning, Brian. Thank you for taking my call. What's up, Marty? We have a greenhouse, and we're, we have an infestation of spider mites in it. How do we get rid of them? 
Um, it's kind of tough in a, in a greenhouse. So you probably want to take things outdoors and spray. Um, you can spray it with spinosad. You can use malathion. Um, you know, and there's there's other different things for spider mites, but spider mites uh, are a little tough, and they're especially tough if, tough if they're in a greenhouse. What kind of plants are they on? Uh, mostly different kinds of peppers, jalapenos, habaneros, that kind of stuff. Oh, and so you want to keep your peppers for two or three years, and you kept them all the way through last winter? Yep. <laughs> I understand the problem with peppers. Um, you know, they, 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 they do live for a, some time. I would try spinosad. Um, you know, that's an organic approved spray that you can use and it will kill spider mites. Um, if you would mix, mix a surfactant, like a little bit of uh Dawn soap with it, uh, will help quite a bit. And, um, you'll just have to see what you can do. I mean, if they if they get too nuclear in their Marty and you fight them long enough, it might be time you have to replant, but I would go after them with the combination and you could use oil, but it's getting too hot to use an oil on the leaf and the oil can work pretty good like a Volk oil. But um realistically, I can't see you having an opportunity to use it again this year because you wouldn't really want to use the oil over 85 and I don't think you're going to be cooler than 85. Probably not. Yeah, we keep we keep uh, we have a swamp cooler on it, and we mm-hmm. keep it down around uh, seventy five to eighty degrees when the humidity allows it. Right, and that's uh, that's been kind of odd having some humidity lately. But at any rate, I, I would try the uh, the dish soap with spinosad and see how you do with that one. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you, Marty. Bye bye. Uh, Penny and surprise. Hello, Penny. Good morning. Um, just a question for you on the east. East side of my house, we have a block wall. And a couple months ago, we took out a couple oversized bougainvillea bushes. And I'm wanting to put um, something on there on a trellis on the east side. What would you recommend? Well, the east is pretty easy. I mean, the, the common thing is a tangerine crossvine, but but there's you know quite a few different options. If you wanted a fragrance, you could you could either well, in fact, you could even trellis like a gardenia, like a Miami Supreme gardenia. You could trellis there, and that would work oh, fine. Good. Or star jasmine would be a good, good one for fragrance. It would work there as well. Um, so both is it, those- is it too late in the year to do it? No, especially for the gardenia. But either one should be fine. You know, you, you have a huge advantage being on the east side, protected from the afternoon sun. And, uh, you know, now is a great planting time just in general. Oh, awesome. And and all of these would be um, very green and, and blossom. Mm-hmm. They're very well and, and have fragrance, too. Oh, that's perfect. You, you might want to come in the nursery and, and, and see which fragrance you like the best. You know, you can do it not just by the beauty, but also by the aroma. But- that's awesome. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, Penny. Bye-bye. Uh, Chris and Surprise. Hello, Chris. Hi, Brian. Um, I've been call- a caller for a while, and I wrote down information you gave me, and I can't find the card, so I'm, <laughs> I need a refresher on uh, my elm tree. It's a 42-gallon. It's been in since 2020, mm-hmm. and I have... 12 two-gallon emitters, and I was, um, I think you said 96 to 100 gallons. Is that weekly or? Yeah, weekly would be plenty. And and, uh, probably no more often than weekly. Chris should be fine. Okay. And in the wintertime? In the wintertime, uh, well, like in the spring and the fall, you can go every two weeks. Okay. And so that's changing to weekly now, you know, for June. But uh, actually, with the weather we've had recently, every two weeks would have been fine. But I, I would water it if you want to grow as fast as weekly for the summer. 
Okay, so two weeks. Okay, and feeding is? Uh, you can feed it right now if you haven't recently, and you can feed it with citrus food or just a balanced fertilizer, 10-10-10, or even a 21-7-14. Um, just don't use a weed and feed on it, but any kind of a balanced fertilizer will be fine. This would be the last time you feed it now um, until, again, probably the 1st of August, uh, yeah, middle of August, somewhere there when the monsoon really kicks in. Oh, I think at one time you said different holidays. Like well, you can do the holidays just like a citrus and Memorial Day's uh, almost here, Labor Day's on the way, and Valentine's Day. So that will work perfect. Chris, thanks for the call and have a nice day. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. Uh, let's see. looks like we've got Lem in Queen Creek. Good morning, Lem. Good morning. And how are you today? Oh, enjoying it. You know, I, I grew up here in Sunny Slope, and I get to watch our mountains right out the window here in the studio, so I really enjoy it. Uh, yeah, well, we live in Queen Creek, and it's we enjoy the, uh, we've been here 50 years. <laughs> it's changed a little in the last 10, hasn't it? Quite a bit. Quite a bit. <laughs> okay, my problem is pigeons. I have a, uh, we have a, a tile roof, and the rest of it, and uh, my patio is completely covered with pigeon poop. Well, Lem, how do we get rid of it? How, how have you dealt with them for the last forty years? Uh, well, not in the same house. Oh, okay. Well, you know, you, you either have to, you know, secure areas or put up something to prevent them from going into those areas, or you have to physically remove them, e- you know, either way. But um, as long as they come back and have a place to roost, and they've been there historically, they're not going to give it up until something really chases them off or uh, they lose their habitat, one of the two. Yeah, well, uh, do you suggest the spikes? The spikes, yeah, the, the spikes can work very well. And anything you can do to keep them from being, you know, if you had a pet falcon, that would be the best. Oh, you know, yeah. If you, if you had somebody that was a falconer could bring one over, that would t- keep them out of there for a while, you know. But, well, um, we can send them to Chicago and have them shot. <laughs> well, there's, there's a lot of falcons here in uh, in the valley. Um, I know. It, it's unbelievable with the, the amount of falcons that we see. Well, you know, growing up here in these mountains and yeah. Sunny Slope, I, you know, my friends were always the Chuckawallas, the big uh, iguana-type lizard that lives here. And we had lots more of those back in the 60s because we had DDT and less falcons. Now we've got more falcons. And you know what's even different than that, Lem, is the falcons uh, have changed the Chuckawalla's color. They used to be mostly red because I think that was a superior color to find buddies. And now a lot of them are black because they're camouflaged. So... What can you suggest? Well, the birds, really, you're going to have to, you know, either get rid of the birds, okay? And there are people that will come out and fence them out and do those kind of things and put up the spikes and that kind of stuff. You know, if you're out in a farm somewhere, you'd probably get a pellet gun, you know? But, uh, (laughs) you know, that's you're probably not in a farm anymore in Queen Creek like you used to be, you know? No, no. That being said, you know, you're just going to have to deal with them in a a neighborly, um, you know, fashion that happens in civilization versus being out in the country but um you know so you really are going to have to find some way to take away the roosting areas or you're going to have to take them away that's the two options 
Okay, well, yeah, we were thinking about the pellet gun. That's what my son said. He's got a pellet gun, but then we're afraid that the neighbors will call the police and well, say. Well, and the thing about it is, is a lot of the pellet guns are pretty, you know, they'll shoot pretty far and they'll break windows and put eyes out and that kind of thing, too. So you have to be mindful and careful. You know what? You might get yeah. a whiff of paintball gun. You might just, uh, and that, see, is legal. And you might just annoy them enough where they give up. Well, I'll tell you what we do, uh, though, in trees and things, is if you can, when they go in there and roost, if you want to put a sprinkler up there that you could turn on that would spray water on them as soon as they roosted and harass them that way. Uh, that can be very efficient and uh, and that way it's not lethal to them and it's uh, not going to cost so much to do. So if you've got a place where you can actually turn water on and spray it when they come and roost, they won't come back. Oh, uh, well, Work on that, then. We'll talk to our landscaper. All righty. Good luck, Lem. Have a nice weekend. Okay. Thanks for, thanks for taking my call. Bye-bye. Well, it looks like Mr. Troy Barron has slipped into the studio here. We'll have to be enlightened and find out what's happening in the world. In the meantime, we'll have a line available with Sure. If you'd like to give her a call during the break, the number to call, 602-277-5827. It's Shira, Brian, and Troy here with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, Sundays from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM KTAR. Quite an entertainer, quite quite an artist, and a long career and a, and a fun life. Anyway, uh, right back to the phone, Sue in Phoenix. Good morning, Sue. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, let's talk about burgundy beet zias for a minute. Okay, they just stopped blooming, at least in my yard. Mm-hmm. Can I prune them? They're you, just wild and crazy, like you a can. bramble bush. Yeah, can pretty much. That? You know. Kind of the preferred times to prune them for the most bloom it is going to normally be a little earlier than this, usually in March and then again in August. But if you'd like to prune them now, uh, you might delay some of the bloom. But if they're out of, out of shape and out of fashion, it would be better to prune them now. And then go ahead and prune them again the end of uh, August. Okay. And that way you'll have nice blooms through the winter when you don't want to prune them. Okay. Now, and the little, the little sticks that come out and they're dead and they had the blooms up. Do I have to trim all those off? I mean, they look terrible. No, the bracts will fall off by themselves, you know, and behind that, the buds will come out of the wood and put out new foliage. Okay, so they'll just dry up and kind of fall off. They when will. The new blooms start and they'll go blowing out. in the wind. <laughs> okay. All right, great. Okay, well, that was that's my question. All Thank right, Sue, so have a nice Sunday. Weekend. Bye-bye. Uh, Doug in Phoenix. Good morning, Douglas. Good morning. How you doing, Ryan? Oh, just enjoying uh, her. Thanks for taking the call. Oh, good, good. Um, so I've got, uh, I need to get a tree for HOA um, compliance. Uh, after 10 years, they decided they're going to enforce this rule. We'll have to have trees in the right-of-way between the street and the sidewalk. It's like a little four-foot 
strip. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm looking for is uh, kind of a several smatterings of uh, ideas for trees. I want slow growing, uh, no mess, hardy, you know, I don't really care what it looks like. I'm just looking for compliance. So. <laughs> Come on, you have to care what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's uh, it's going to be on this side. It's such a small little area, mm-hmm. um, like four by four in the, the water utility boxes right there. So it's really a strange. Well, let, let me ask you this. Are you, are, are you or anyone going to gain some advantage from the shade the tree is going to provide? No, 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 it's purely just a compliance thing. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's, all, it's like almost kind of on the side of the house and yeah. Well, so I just want something that's going to be hardy. I don't have to do anything with it. And okay. I definitely don't Co- want couple, it to grow couple different, couple different options. One thing right. might grow fairly fast. Might want to get bigger than you want, but it would be easy to put in an area like that because it'd be clean would be a red push pistachio. And the red push pistachio is a deciduous tree, so it drops all of its leaves once a year in January, and the rest of the year sheds nothing. Oh, nice. And uh, it, it will grow in an area that big. It'll, and like I say, it might even without a lot of water get bigger than you're thinking, but it's, it's not going to hurt. And it's going to grow into a structurally strong tree that won't break in the wind. And uh, like I say, it will drop leaves just once a year, and it'll take the reflected heat from everything around it and probably be happy. So that would, in my mind, be like the easiest thing to do. Um, you know, if you wanted something you could keep small for a long time, you could plant a fruitless olive in there like a Swan Hill olive. And the olive tree would stay evergreen and, and be full and kind of a nice little canopy. And, you know, if you water it well the first summer to have it establish, uh, after that you could water it, you know, pretty much once a month in the summertime and it would stay alive and not grow very much. It will take a little more pruning, but not a tremendous amount. You got a couple more because I have to get approval from the um, the HOA, so a couple of others in case they don't like either of these. Well, what kind of trees do you have mostly in the neighborhood? Doug, uh, I'm terrible on names. Sorry, <laughs> green ones with leaves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I'll give you those two. Let, let's talk of another smaller tree. There's one called an acacia willardiana or palo blanco, means white wood in Spanish. And the palo blanco makes a nice kind of a compact tree, feathery kind of looking, and. Uh, you know, more of a native type species. So now we've got a deciduous tree, an evergreen tree, and a native tree. And I'll give you the one last option. We'll give you a southern tree. So the southern tree, we'll talk about a southern live oak. And a live oak tree is going to need real regular watering for the first year or so. But then after it's established, it'll be very easy to maintain. And the live oak will be our southern adventure, kind of a traditional uh form tree. So we have our desert tree in the Palo Blanco. We have the olive tree, you know, that's, that's historic and uh, will grow very well and easy in the desert. We got the red push pistachio, which will be cleaner and more of a canopy. And away we go. And I got our, our, our hey, live oak. What was the acacia what? Acacia willardiana. Just call it a Palo Blanco. It's easier to remember. Okay. And another quick question, if I could, um, I have a hibiscus in my yard. I absolutely love it. And the last three years, it's looked like it's on the verge of dying. Uh, I trimmed it back. It used, it used to be absolutely beautiful, big, deep, fat, thick leaves all through. And now it's very sparse. And then the leaves are, they'll end up being on like about a quarter of the size or a third the size. And then all of a sudden they just all turn yellow and fall off in a day. And, and any ideas on... Well, maybe you're playing the wrong music to it. 
you know, and it okay. could be that it likes country and you're in rock and roll, or maybe it's <laughs> one that likes metal, you know, some, some plants do like heavy metals, you know, so there's all different kinds of styles, but, you know, try the music, but if the music's not working for you, uh, you might want to fertilize it right now with a balanced fertilizer. Uh, something like miracle Grow would be fine, or just a 10 10 10 or 20 20 20. Uh, watering on an established one like that, kind of maximum twice a week, but, uh, you know, once a week you might find is enough um, to be happy and healthy. Okay. But now is the time to give it attention because it loves this weather and far better than it's going to like 120 and far better than it likes 75. So if you'll f- feed it right away, make sure it's deep watered, not too often, twice a week maximum, once a week minimum. Um, you know, maybe you know, who knows what kind of music it likes. You just can't tell. Try some Very different good. ones. So. Bye bye. All right. Uh, let's see. Jerry and Tempe. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning. I've got another bougainvillea question. All righty. Um, we plant some bougainvilleas in February. They're five gallon. They're doing just fine. Uh, and all of a sudden, uh, they're just, some of them are just really straining. And uh, my wife thinks I underwater them, and I think I overwater them. Uh, uh, okay. So, so where, where do you live in Tempe, Jerry? What cross streets? In North Tempe. Okay. Um, so by the university? Uh, above above Town Lake. Okay, all right, the other side. So yeah. you got a little heavier Both kind of a yeah. yeah heavier kind of river type soil there. So oh, what I would do is water them, you know, at the at the maximum twice a week. Once a week's probably plenty, and you want to give them when you water them about three to four gallons of water, so it goes down deeper than the root balls were, and then you know kind of dry out in between. So it's either once or twice a week. Either one will be fine. And if you give them a light dose of fertilizer, you know, really moderation is the key. But a light dose of like a ten 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 or Miracle Grow or something that probably respond to come back. You could even use a little Super Bloom on them, which is higher in phosphorus, and not only does it help them bloom, but it helps them root better. Okay, so I usually just I have them kind of in a in a little pool, and I do it with a watering can. Mm-hmm. Um, so you say five gallons once a week. Well, maximum, you know, two gallons, but, you know, you, so if you little watering can, you know, you're going to have to fill it up a couple of times unless it's an awful heavy can because two gallons is quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, okay. another question is, uh, I did spray some weed killer uh, about 10 feet away, just on a few minor weeds. Would that have caused any problems? Absolutely or? could have. Yeah. Especially uh, there's an ortho ground ground clear. And, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, one of those, you know, yeah, one, a lot of those yeah. things. I'll tell you what, if you're buying herbicides, what I would really recommend to you is stick with the one that, you know, is, is safer, which is going to be glyphosate, which is like Roundup. You know, Roundup's gotten okay. such a bad name, but it's a lot safer. And we don't see near the damage caused by that in residual problems to plants as we do so many of these other formulations. So be real careful. If you're going to spray a contact herbicide, use a contact herbicide. And if you're going to use something that's 2,4-D, you shouldn't use it this time of year because it's too hot. Okay. And if, if some of that did spray in, do you think it'll kill them? Or it could. Uh, it, 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 very, it very well could. 
You know, it, it's just, okay. you know, and it, it is how much it leaches and moves around in the soil. That's the nice part about glyphosate. And when you put it on, it's pretty inert once it hits the ground. But if you put it on your bogan bees, it'll kill them. I think it might be that your wife's just right, got it just figured out, Jerry. I think you might not be getting enough water on them. Because if you're watering in the mm-hmm. water can, you're probably not putting more than a quart on at a time. And they really do need a couple right. gallons. Doesn't have to be that often. Weekly is plenty, but they need that couple gallons. Hey, I appreciate the call. Thank have you. a nice weekend. Bye, Jerry. Uh, next up, we've got Canes in uh, oops, oh, Phoenix. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. James. Oh, yeah. Hi, How James. How are you? Doing all right. How are you? Great. Good. Uh, so I've got a um, couple planters, couple planter boxes with vegetables in it. Um, first time gardener. I have no idea what I'm doing. So, so you know, I put the soil in, and then I put the seeds. They grew. Cool. I'm, you know, I'm the most pro gardener now. <laughs> but <laughs> so my question is: is the is water retention number one, and two? I'm getting like no production. I planted them all at the beginning of March. I was a little late to the game, I guess. Um, but they are they are growing. They are doing great. James, what, I got a little bit of a, what are they? I got zucchini, wax beans, green beans, bell peppers, and carrots. Okay, how are you feeding them? Uh, once a week with a uh, with a Miracle Grow water soluble I got from Home Depot. Okay, you might just need to increase the amount of fertilizer you're putting on them. They should be growing like crazy this time of year. You know, this is prime right. prime growing season. Now, a lot of the potting mixes um, are going to actually rob nitrogen. So they're going to take fertilizer away. And uh, that's why you have to add fertilizer more. But, you know, for late, you know, being mid-season like it is right now, I, I would just up the amount of miracle Greek grow on them. And what we do in, in, in the farming is we call it a jar test. So we don't go out and spray the whole field or fertilize the whole garden the same all the first time. I would give one of the plants a little more fertilizer and see how it responds. Give it two, three days. And if it starts to perk up, then give the same to all of them, okay? Okay. Um, is there anything to do about leaf miners or not so much? Um, well, there's just the natural predators that work on them, okay? So if you see some little lace wings around, little green dragonfly guys or ladybugs or pirate bugs, they have natural enemies that usually can do a pretty good job on them. Okay. Okay. You can, right. you can spray them if you want to. There's a product called Spinosad, which is even you know usable in organic uh, production, and it, it's fairly good on leaf miners. Okay. Okay. Thanks, James. All right. I appreciate it. Have a nice weekend. Bye bye. You, you too. Bye bye. Uh, we're going to take a short break. While we're gone, we do have two lines available. We have the lovely Shira here on phones and music. All you have to do is give her a call. A number to call six zero two two seven seven five eight two seven. It's Shira, Troy, and Brian here every Sunday from seven to nine on ninety two point three FM KTAR with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Where you going, my brown eyed son? to grow, but now you run. You started off on a road half dark, and the river curled into a question mark. We sleep on diamond beaches, dear, and drink from prison streams so clear. You don't have to be rich to get around. 
Folks, want to take a minute and invite you out to Whitfields. You know, Whitfields, we grow trees, and uh, summer is on the way, and it's getting a little warm. It's the perfect time to plant lots of varieties. If you want to plant palm trees, citrus trees, or desert trees, this is the best time of year to plant. And if last summer was a little hot, you can plant now and have some shade. At Whitfields, we specialize in larger trees, all the way up to 72-inch boxes, many of them up to 30-foot tall. We've got palm trees of all sizes, from date palms, Mexican fans, to exotic things like Bismarckias and Mexican blues. And whatever your dream is when it comes to citrus, come out and check us out. We have 15-gallon trees that already are loaded with fruit. So when you plant, you know, Whitfield trees, you can have uh, fruit to enjoy the same year. Uh, no jobs too big, none's too small. We'll do the digging. And uh, we, we kind of pretty much service it valley-wide. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale. We're in the East Valley of Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe, or 2647 East Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue, straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. Woodfield Nursery for four generations, growing trees here in Arizona for Arizona's future. Uh, let's see, next we've got Brett in Queen Creek. Good morning, Brett. Hey, how are you, man? Great, sir. Good, good. So I have a mandarin tangerine dwarf tree that I planted last week for my wife, and I'm really trying to keep this thing alive. I don't know how to take care of it or anything, so I just wanted to kind of get your advice. Uh, the guys down at the nursery that I bought it from said every three to four days it should be watered. But I watered it Sunday, watered it Wednesday, but I'm already kind of getting, like, light yellow, and I even see that there's a leaf that's burnt. So I just want some advice on the best things I can do to be proactive to make sure that this uh, stays alive for my wife. Well, their watering sounds right. You know, pretty much uh, twice a week or, you know, every three or four days should be good for a new tree like that. Uh, what size was it, 15-gallon or 5-gallon? What size tree was it? No, it was like a 2 to two to 5 it was, it was like a smaller, it's a smaller one. I plan on keeping it in this pot. Okay, so you're going to grow it in a container. Now, did you transplant it from the container it was in? Yes. Okay, and you put it like in a five-gallon container? What, what size pot did you put it into? The size pot, it's like 16 wide by six, 19 deep, so it's a fairly large, fairly okay. large pot. And, and what, and what did you use for soil when you planted it? Um, it was the happy frog. Okay. But just straight organic soil? Yes, sir. That is okay. correct. All right. So you're going to probably water it, you know, at least every three days. Okay. It might be a little bit more okay. in the heat of the summertime. And you're going to need to fertilize it. Um, the probably the easiest thing to grow with would be Osmocote. And Osmocote's a slow-release fertilizer you could put on it that will last. And you could do it about every six or eight weeks. 
Okay. Okay, so it should be good with the fertilizer now. Water it every three days or so, even in the summer, because it's got sun right now. Well, you're just going like to have to check. In the you're, you're just going like to have to check and see how fast the soil dries in your location and the pot size it's in. It's not going to use okay. much water. It sounds like it was one of those little tiny ones, like in a forage pot or something. Yeah, okay, roughly. So. It was like a, it was probably like a twelve by eight pot that it was in. Okay, pot. All right. So yeah, you've you've got it in a larger container. Okay, you've already got your soil mm-hmm. mix in there. You're going to water it according to how fast your soil dries out. So there, you can either get a moisture meter or you can just reach in and fill it with your hand. But you want to water it so the water goes through the pot. Okay, it comes out the bottom, and, and then do mm-hmm. that. And then when it gets dry, the top three or four inches on top, it's time to water it again. And that's going to be okay. determined by you, by how often you check the soil and how it, it happens. I would put the fertilizer okay. on it right away, the little Osmocote. It's going to be slow release, but it's going to constantly have some food. And it, you're going to have it outdoors on a patio? What kind of area? Yeah, so right now, it's it's on the patio right now. Well, does it face south, north, in the morning or in the afternoon? So it's going to be sun, sun to my in the what is it? Never eat east right now, east to west. Okay. So it gets full sun, you okay. know, like sun all morning. 10, and, and that should be a good location, yeah. Brett. And and you should do fine. Appreciate the call. Thank you, uh, Karen and Casa Grand. Good morning, Karen. Hi, Brian. Hello. Um, I I keep a, a Bermuda grass year round. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, it goes to sleep, but um, I'm ha- it's not coming in this year like it normally does and it's full of leaf hoppers and i also have some wood sorrel out there that looks like it's starting to looks like it's starting to die which Mm -hmm. makes the long worse absolutely well here it's it's just been a cool spring so i would fertilize it with some 21 714 lawn fertilizer okay Okay. And, you know, just make sure you're on a deep watering cycle where you're putting like an inch of water at a time and let it dry out. But if you would pre-irrigate okay. it and then and then run your irrigation. Now, you measure your irrigation by putting a capturing device like a tuna fish can or a coffee cup there and run your sprinklers long enough to where you have an inch of water. Then shut the water off. Okay. And you can go out with a screwdriver and check the soil. When it's dry, it won't go in. It's time to water again. So pretty much this time of year, is you can keep it from running off, putting an inch water on about once a week um yeah and i uh I have my sprinkler set for three times a week, 20 minutes, and I can get a six-inch screwdriver all the way down to the hilt. Okay, you're probably watering it too much. Okay. And that's going to leach your fertilizer out as well. So, you know, you you, you Uh, figure out the 20 minutes by putting something out there to capture the water, because 20 minutes might put an inch on, depends on the sprinkler heads that you have. But, you know, let it get fairly dry in between, but fertilize it right now, and I think you'll find with the heat we're going to have, it's going to be happy. Karen, appreciate the call. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Uh, Let's see. Next, we have Sam and Chandler. Good morning, Sam. Uh, hi Brian. Hey, you had a caller called in about pigeons. Uh huh. And I've had I've had trouble with pigeons over I don't know twenty plus years. I've lived in my two story house, but I came up with the solution about three years ago that works really well, and that's you trap them, and you kind of like chumming fish. You start chumming, start putting out some bird seed, and then you get a trap. And uh, these are traps that are probably eighteen by three feet have a tra- uh, door on top, you can get into it, and they'll walk right in. And uh, I've probably, over the last two and a half years, caught about 200 pigeons this way. And uh, and then I guess once you catch them, you can decide what you want to do with them. 
Um, but if you're going to take them out of town, you need to take them not 20 or 30 miles, but they need to go about 100 because they'll come back. <laughs> and, yeah, hence uh, the name homing and, pigeons, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, that's their, that's, what that's, they do, yeah. that's their genetics. But it really works. And, uh, um, and what I usually do if I see three or four pigeons around because, uh, you know, I don't worry about it. When it gets up to about 10, I put the traps out. And you can catch in an hour sometimes 10 or 15 pigeons. Uh, you need to let the doves go. Um, and you really need a, a holding pen because you can't trap, you can't keep, keep them in your trap and then basically get them out unless you've got another trap or something to put them in so you can get them out. But anyway, it really does, it really does work. You never really fully get rid of them, but you get it down to a level that's not a problem anymore. Well, thanks for the plan, Sam. (laughs) You're welcome. Have a nice weekend. Bye-bye. Okay, thank you. Bye. And we'll be right back after this short break with, well, in the news and all that kind of good stuff with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. In the meantime, you can give Shira a call at 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR.